I'm Greg Storr in our Washington 99.1 studios with Michael Best and June Grasso in New York. President Donald Trump tweeted today that he will name his Supreme Court nominee next Thursday. And his narrowing list of potential justices is now at four, according to reports in Bloomberg and, and elsewhere. The names to know, Neil Gorsuch, Thomas Hardiman, William Pryor, and Raymond Kethledge, all federal appeals court judges. Each of the four was appointed to his current post by George W. Bush, and each has a solid conservative track record. But there are differences that could affect both Trump's selection process and the level of opposition the nominee will generate among Senate Democrats. Gorsuch was an Oxford scholar. Hardiman used to drive a taxi. Pryor has said that abortion has slaughtered millions of innocent unborn children. How much do these differences matter for the confirmation process and the Supreme Court itself? Our guest to discuss Donald Trump's shortlist is Steve Sanders, professor at the University of Indiana's Meyer School of Law. Steve, welcome. Let's start with the big picture. If these names are, are correct, is it safe to say Donald Trump is going to be nominating a rather conservative justice? Um, I'd say at least three of the four, Greg. I, I mean, they're all solid conservatives, yes. Um, I, I, I think people would tend to agree that William Pryor is probably the most conservative, is the person who is identified as the most overtly ideological of the four. The others are certainly solid conservatives uh, uh, in their writing. It, it's important to remember, I think, that when these people are writing majority opinions, um, they're not just speaking for themselves. Court of Appeals judges are not lone wolves. They're speaking for panels. And so when they uh, authored a decision about a particular issue, it wasn't just their idea. It means that a panel of the court agreed with them. But short answer to question, yes. Uh, you know, th these people, to one degree or another, would preserve the ideological valence, I guess, of the seat that Justice Scalia vacated when he passed away. The question would be, would any of these people be the sort of intellectual leader of a conservative judicial philosophy that made Justice Scalia so important for so many years? Greg, we've talked about Gorsuch and how much he is like Justice Scalia in many ways. As far as you know, who is the front runner? He is certainly one of the front runners, Neil Gorsuch of the Tenth Circuit in Denver. Uh, the other name I was told yesterday, I talked to somebody who's familiar with the process, is Tom Hardiman, the uh, judge from Pittsburgh on the federal appeals court there. Uh, Bill Pryor, whose name has been bandied about a lot because Donald Trump met him, uh, mentioned him uh, several times on the campaign trail. Uh, he seems to be a less likely person, not totally out of contention. And Kethledge is sort of sort of a dark horse. But my information is that right now it, it is at this point a two man race between Gorsuch and Tom Hardiman. Well, Steve, knowing what you do about those two, Hardiman and Gorsuch, let's say that one of them does in fact being the pick. Do you think either of them has shown uh, in their track record on the court, on the appeals courts, that they might be somebody akin to Justice Scalia who takes kind of a leadership role, or is it is it impossible to know that? It's a little bit harder just because uh, Justice Scalia was on a federal court of appeals before going to the Supreme Court. But Justice Scalia before that was an academic and, and was a lawyer in the executive branch. And so, uh, you know, through those ways, particularly as an academic, as somebody who wrote scholarly articles and spoke and taught, he was actually able to develop and articulate a very coherent philosophy. Um, Judge Gorsuch, at least according to, to Greg's reporting and that of others, is seen as 
as kind of following in that tradition, as, as certainly being in tune with Justice Scalia's philosophy, I think probably what it would come down to more is personality. So I, I don't know either of these people personally, but are they, is either of them the kind of person who not just can write forcefully and persuasively, but who has the, frankly, people and political skills necessary to perhaps bring other justices along to his view of a particular case. Craig, you mentioned that Hardiman drove a cab. Gorsuch is more in the mold of the current Supreme Court justices, having clerked for Justice Kennedy and going to an Ivy League law school. So does that matter to Donald Trump as much as we know? It does seem to matter to some degree. That's at least uh, based on what people have told me who have uh, been talking to him about the Supreme Court. Uh, You know, the court right now, everybody on the court went to either uh, Yale Law School or Harvard Law School. Uh, Justice Ginsburg actually graduated from Columbia, but they're all Ivy League, all Ivy Leaguers. And uh, for the most part, they're from the the, the two coasts. Uh, now, Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch is does have an Ivy League education. Uh, he is, however, from, from Colorado, and that is a new element of diversity that the court doesn't have right now. Uh, but Tom Hardiman has a, a pretty compelling personal story. He's the first person in his family to attend college. Uh, he did drive a taxi to help support himself when he was younger. His father ran a taxi company. Uh, and, and, you know, those sorts of personal stories, we've seen it with other justices like Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, those matter when you're trying to sell somebody uh, to the public. Steve, given that we're now we're going to get another conservative vote, it appears uh, to replace what was a generally conservative vote in Justice Scalia. What issues can we expect if a ninth justice does get confirmed to for the that the court might you know immediately change the law on? There's more chance of things being overturned, let's say. Well, I think uh, religious liberty questions are going to continue to uh, bubble up through the lower courts, or, or maybe more specifically, the intersection between religious liberties and, and, and other claims of right, gay rights, transgender rights, for example. Uh, there are many ways those could come up. The court this spring will hear its first major case related to transgender rights, but the issue is actually a fairly narrow technical one. It's not a big-picture constitutional law issue, so transgender rights could come back to the court. There were a number of things related to um, immigration policy, related to labor union support and and whether or not uh, people can be required to support labor unions, cases where the court essentially sort of had to punt, wasn't able to make a definitive ruling in the past year. Those could come back to the court in some form or other. Greg, are both both Hardiman and Gorsuch equally confirmable? In other words, they both went, got their confirmations to the federal circuit courts on voice votes, I believe. Yeah, and I think Steve is exactly right. They're distinguished from Pryor in that regard. Pryor was a subject of a two-year fight. Uh, he was confirmed eventually on, on a party-line basis. Uh, both of them, barring something we don't know, barring something hidden, uh, both Gorsuch and Hardiman would look to be much more easily confirmable. Now, the, the Republicans have the votes regardless, but in terms of the ease of confirmation, yes, they, they are more likely to have a smoother path. And we want to thank you, Greg Store, for <laughs> being here with us and uh, sharing your Supreme Court knowledge and another excellent report on the future nominee. 